Welcome to the 198th episode of the yes. No Nonsense Trivia Podcast, the weekly quiz cast where two professional quiz masters talk about how to write and host great pub trivia. That's us. As well as quizzing each other and our guests. That's you. On our favorite questions of the week, I'm one half of your hosting team, Quizmaster Lee. And as usual, I'm joined by the one, the only, Mark Davis. Welcome. 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 I'd like to think, would you say it's fair to say that when we don't have a guest on the show, the listeners are our guests? Oh, yeah. Even when we do have a guest on the show, they're mm-hmm. additional guests. They don't yeah. get talking privileges. Yeah. No, 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 no. But, well, I mean, they can yeah. talk. They could, yeah. They just can't be heard. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're allowed to talk. I'm sure. I mean, we've mentioned Scream at your radio? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, yes. Now, today we are recording a little bit early, so this is going to be probably a little bit shorter episode and than usual. a little late. It's a little late too. It's a it's a oh, late yeah. night record. So early in the week, late. Mm-hmm. I have evening. I have an oat soda here to celebrate Ooh. our nighttime record. Yes, I guess I could old... drink these in the morning record too if I wanted to. <laughs> well, I would question you. <laughs> it's a weekend when we usually record. It is the freaking yeah. weekend, but yeah. you know, well, hair of the you've dog. got dad duties. You need yeah. to you need to ease up. I don't know. That's true. Well, I would fall asleep by noon probably. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right after you leave, like. All right, down for a nap. <laughs> Dad, Daddy's gonna put his hat over his face and ease ease up the uh, on the eyes. I think that's your final Pokemon evolution as a dad. You just start <laughs> yeah, drinking absolutely. in the morning. Yeah. As yeah. I mentioned, we have a little bit of a shorter quiz today, but before we get to that, just want to go over our calendar real quick. If you want to join us for live trivia in the coming weeks, you have a few opportunities to do so. This Wednesday. We'll be live at Pointy Bell Brewing Company in Fort Myers, Florida for No Nonsense Trivia Challenge based on your category requests. Please join us for your opportunity to win some free beer. Free beer. So just categories for next week's quiz and enjoy tasty, tasty food by Yabo Mobile. That's at Pointy Bell Brewing Company on Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. The lasagna on a stick is almost worth committing a low-grade felony. It's really good. I got one last week along with my chicken parm. Chicken uh, parm parm. That was a pretty heavy night of food for yeah. me. <laughs> but yeah. It was talking about taking was, a nap. It was so good. So that good. carb hit. Yeah. On Thursdays, we're in Cape Coral, also at 7.30 p.m. That's at Ollie's Pub. We hope you can join us for opportunities to win Ollie's gift cards, which can be spent on records, beer, or whatever else you can find for sale at Ollie's Pub in Cape Coral. That's on Thursdays at 7.30 p.m. And, of course, every week in Cape Coral, you can play Mark's Trivia on Wednesdays at Nice Guys Pizza or on Zoom starting at 8 p.m. Eastern. Yeah. And please don't forget to follow No Nonsense Trivia on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Reddit. And join us on our Discord server to stay updated on all of our podcasts, streams, and events. Join us. Won't you... We ask people to join us a lot. Mm-hmm. I you say, they you say join us twice in that little thing right there. Yeah. You're, you are, well, you are, look, <laughs> I want them to come. We out are inviting you yeah. to join us. It's a proper invitation. We'll join us twice, here. Join times. us in person. Join us, period. Join us, please. Join us, won't you? And please join us in the next round. Yes. For our first round of trivia. Hmm. We're back. Mm. Mark, 
Mm. I have a classic television question. Mm. Kick off our first round of our quiz. Mm. Which writer first gained fame with Patterns in 1955? A television play that was the first TV drama to ever be repeated due to popularity and would later write 92 of the original 156 episodes of The Twilight Zone. Which writer first gained fame with Patterns in 1955, a TV play that was the first television drama to ever be repeated due to popularity, and would later write 92 of the original 156 episodes of The Twilight Zone? Mm. Um, I'll probably end up beating myself over the head with this one. I don't know who wrote on The Twilight Zone. Patterns. Mm-hmm. Patterns was the name of a show. It was a uh, TV play. TV play. It was a live presented on TV and people loved it. They were entranced by it and wrote saying we need another performance of this. And a month later, it was re-aired or re-performed live. And that was uh, that's considered to be, I think, the first TV repeat due to popularity. And this writer would also later go on to write 92 of the original 156 episodes of The Twilight Zone. Hmm. So almost two-thirds of the original run. None of that helps me. I mean, I kind of just want to guess Rod Serling. Because I don't know if he wrote anything, but he's the only name I know. Could he have written The Twilight Zone? I don't see why not. I'm going to guess Rod Serling. That's Holy correct. Shit! That is correct. The creator of the Twilight serious? Zone himself. Yes. Wrote a majority of the original runs episode and uh, first broke out by writing patterns. Wow. Wow. Play. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, totally based off of the fact that he's the only name I know associated. I almost guessed someone like Alfred Hitchcock. I was like, did he ever write on the Twilight we had, Zone? We had some other guesses like Gene Roddenberry and mm. uh, who's the guy that did uh, Fahrenheit 451? Oh, uh, uh, Ray Bradbury. Yep. Ray ba- Bradbury was another uh, popular, Bradbury. popular answer. But Rod Serling, yeah. Uh, not only creating the Twilight Zone. But writing much of the first run as well as the first television repeat pattern. Well, I'll be goddamn. Well done. Thank you. Here's your first question Scrotum Humanum. Yeah, do I have your attention? Okay. Scrotum Humanum was the first what to have a description and illustration in the natural history of Oxfordshire in 1676. Scrotum humanum was the first what to have a description and illustration in the natural history of Oxfordshire in 1676. I apologize to any British. I don't know if it's Oxfordshire probably is. I know much like the sailor who doesn't say, uh, you know, they say topsail instead of top sail. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the Brits say Oxfordshire. That's the weight of the condoms in the back pocket that set the brain off a little bit, you know, a couple centimeters yeah. tilted. There it in is. Reference to our last episode. Mm-hmm. Sailors. Scrotum humanum is the first what to have an illustration and 
description? Is that what he said? Yes. First what? Scrotum humanum. Well, obviously my mind goes immediately to human ball sack. Or body part, maybe? But this sounds like it's like a, a Latin name for an animal. What was the year you gave me? 17. Ooh. Or sorry. 1676. 1676. That is early. Maybe it is body part. Maybe the scrotum. Or as we like to call it, the nutsack. Or ball sack. Or bean bag. Or plums. Got many names. Mm. Perhaps it does have a scientific name for human scrotum. Scrotum humana. Humanum? Humanum. Humanum. Uh, so it could be body part. It could be organ. It could be reproductive organ. It could be even more specific than that. Normally, I mean, I was, I was thinking it can't be like that because that was probably diagrammed long ago, but the 1600s was indeed long ago. Um, yeah, you know, I'm just going to get in this patriarchal, uh, society that we still live in and we lived in then I'm going to go, I'm going to think that the human ball sack was probably, or might've been, I should say, the first reproductive organ to be diagrammed and illustrated. Sorry, that's incorrect. Beanbags. <laughs> it's not the twig and berries. It's not the cash and prizes. How'd you get the beans above the frank? <laughs> oh, Jesus. You remember that? Christ. Oh, from there, something I American. will never forget <laughs> that. Burned. Not only is it funny, but it's also terrifying <laughs> if you're a man. Yeah. Uh, originally described uh, by Robert Plot as a thigh bone of a Roman war elephant and then as a biblical giant. Um, it is named so because it looks like a giant pair of testicles. Mm. The first dinosaur bone, bottom extremity of a megalosaurus uh, femur. Wow. Okay. But, but it looks like, it a, looks pair like of nuts. a human ball sack. They called it scrotum humanum. Feel free to feel free to use that bad boy for the picture. Wow. Doesn't that look like a big old fat sack? Oh, that's the bone. That's the I bone. I thought you were showing me a pair of nuts. Okay. <laughs> exactly. There you go. They look like some freshly shorn scrote. I want to hang that on the back of my pickup truck. <laughs> yeah, they apparently at first thought um, the giants that are described in the Bible that it was a bone uh, related to uh, Bible giants. Wow. Imagine the find. <laughs> we yeah, found right? the giant balls. Finally. <laughs> Let's keep the ball rolling. With mm -hmm. anatomy. Ooh. An anatomy question. Balls. <laughs> With a name translating from Latin into English as little belly. What is the term for either bottom chamber of the heart? With a name translating from Latin into English as little belly. What is the term for either bottom chamber of the heart? Um... Uh, there's aorta and ventricle. Is that right? I'm going to say ventricle. 
two for two so far. Very good. That's right. The ventricle. Uh, you know, I freaked out a little bit because all I could think of was aorta. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is the other one? And I was like, I'm sure it'll come naturally. And nothing felt right. Yeah. And then I was like, ventricle. And I was like, a- I think aorta is a different thing and ventricle is a different thing. Well, the top half is, is it aorta? It's something with A. It's, uh, it's aorta. I'm pretty sure. Oh, Jesus. I hope I'm not wrong. The atria. Oh, God. The aorta is, uh, but the atrium. What are the four chambers of the heart? Right atrium passes through the right ventricle. Atrium and ventricle. So aorta is just the heart, I think. No, the aorta is the main artery that carries blood away from your heart to the rest of your body. Oh, so I was wrong. Right. But I was right. You were, you were right on you were right with your answer. Um yes, and uh atrium being the top chambers, we had a sad answer, ventrium combining Ooh, the two. Jesus. That one was painful. Ouch. How, how how sour it is. All right. That's <clears throat> probably the worst worst answer, not a best worst answer, but a worst worst answer. Indeed, yeah. Um Campuchea. Okay. Is an alternative name for what Asian country? Hmm. So this would be like Nippon and Japan. Yeah. Something similar, like it's the native uh, name for it, maybe. Um. It. I think it's not a negative, but no, the native name. Oh, I'm sorry, native. Yes, <laughs> I thought you said negative name. I was like, hmm. that's that old soda kicking in. Kampuchea. K a m p u c h e a. Kampuchea is an alternative name for what Asian country? Hmm. I'm going to use some context clues here. I don't know, so I'm just going to take a wild guess that Kampuchea and Cambodia have a similar start and end. So that's what I'm going to go with. Cambodia. That's correct. Oh! It's a holiday in Kampuchea. <laughs> Doesn't exactly roll off the tongue, but all right. Hey, you I'd know. like to hear that version of the song. Yeah, there you go. It's a holiday in Kamachia. You make it work. <laughs> like Seal. There fitting you, it hey, in. There you go. You get it I'm still listening to Larry Singo episode. Kiss from Rose. <laughs> it's been a week. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm listening in like 10 minute increments, but. <laughs> that's fine. I, I like the song so much. I have to do it that way. No, you know? that's completely understandable. Yeah. I'm very excited about this week's episode. This week we do um, Breakfast at Tiffany's and I have a complete Ooh. meltdown. Originally called Roman it Holiday. Would be last week's episode at this point. The way this is yeah. gonna lay out. Yeah, this will be <laughs> yeah. it'll it'll already be out by the time this episode yeah. goes, so you can go so listen to it. You can it. go back and listen to me lose my mind. I can't wait. I have like a full complete meltdown. <laughs> All right. It's it's good. <laughs> entertainment. It's oh yeah. That's entertainment. My third question for you this round, architecture is the mm-hmm. category. And I'm going to give you two versions of this because I want to test the difficulty. Okay. Daniel Burnham is best known for designing what national historic landmark, which is located on fifth and Broadway in New York city. That's it. That's my first version. Okay. That's the hardest you, version. You, you're the, the sound of your voice sounded like you were going to keep going. Well, there's, there's more than I could add. Full yeah. stop. Yeah. <laughs> you're just like, that is how I asked it live. Okay, let me hear it one more time. Daniel Burnham. Daniel Burnham is best known for designing Arsonist. what <laughs> national historical landmark, 
which is located on Fifth and Broadway in New York City. <laughs> it's Stop not mess- it. I'm messing with you now. Stop it. <laughs> National landmark, mm-hmm. Fifth and Broadway. Yes. Could it be Central Park? Is that a national landmark? The corner of 5th and Broadway sounds like New York. Could be Times Square. I'm going to say Times Square. No, that's wrong. (laughs) But don't feel bad because this was a 0% correct response question, which is why I felt like maybe it needs an extra hint or something. Okay. So let's see how you fare with this. Daniel Burnham is best known for designing what triangular 22-story National Historical Landmark, which is located on 5th and Broadway and was originally known as the Fuller Building. Hmm. Um, I still don't think I'm going to know this. Daniel Burnham is best known for designing what triangular 22-story National Historical Landmark which is located on 5th and Broadway in New York City and was originally known as the Fuller Building. You see, hear me, hear me earlier saying Daniel Burnham is an arsonist. I did. Is that what is that a reference to? Burnham. Oh, okay. Hey, Daniel. You watched so many documentaries. Burnham. I didn't know if that was <laughs> another Daniel Burnham. Almost done with Drive to Survive. Almost caught up. Dangerous. I did watch the first two episodes based on your recommendation. Kyle was telling me, what do you mm-hmm. think? So far, pretty good. I don't know if it's quite captivated me as much as the last dance did, but I'm going to keep going. Okay. Yeah. Keep it. Keep going. Lots and lots to see. Lots to know. Yeah. I mean, the production quality is great. It is. Pits, man. Those pits mm-hmm. move so damn fast. Blows my goddamn mind. Um, triangular building. Mm-hmm. 22 stories tall. Originally known as the Fuller Building. And located on 5th and Broadway. 5th Avenue. Broadway. I wonder if this is some kind of trick where it's the Louvre and 5th and Broadway <laughs> are the names of the... Uh, I, uh, I did I, say New York City. Oh, did you? Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't even have a guess. Um, the Triangle. That is also wrong. It is the Flatiron Building. I've never heard of that. You've never heard of the flat. Have you been to New York? Yeah. Oh, I guess you didn't go. I did not. Let me show you a picture of it. Maybe you'll recognize it by, uh, by sight. It, it has kind of a uh, unique. Does it look like a giant human testicle? No, it looks like a giant iron, Testicles? which is why it, it oh, got okay. the name because, uh, they were like, it's called the fuller building. And people said that looks like a uh, clothing iron, you know, cast iron, clothing iron. Oh, uh, uh. You see this? I think this might be the building that you the Daily this? Bugle is based on. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm not exactly sure about that. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. See how it comes together at a point right there? It's kind of its, it its distinctive right feature. It was uh, going to be named after George A. Fuller, a contractor uh, who had died two years before the building was built in 1902. Mm. But again, the locals kept calling it the Flatiron Building, so that is what it is now known as. It later officially became named the Flatiron Building. Huh. All right, here's your last question from me. Let's talk pop music, shall we? Love it. The hit song Take Me Out by Franz Ferdinand was partially inspired by what 2001 World War II movie? The hit song Take Me Out 
by Franz Ferdinand was partially inspired by what 2001 World War II movie? Hmm. Franz Ferdinand was a historical figure who was assassinated that kicked off World War I? What? Or was that World War II? Franz Ferdinand. World War I. World War I, yeah. World War II. Somebody different. <laughs> it was World War I that caused <laughs> yeah. World War II. Yeah, yeah. Telling Germany they weren't allowed to have shit. And um, the so, Treaty of Versailles. So they, they're named after a World War I figure, but then wrote their big hit song about a World War II movie. These dudes love World War. It <laughs> just, you know. They're all about it. Big fans. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. I think, I think, I don't think, I think, but I don't think, um, two, two movies come to mind that were big world war two hits. One of which was saving private Ryan. Saving Ryan's privates. And the other. Was it World War II? I think it was. The Thin Red Line. I think that was the Second World War. Maybe not, though. (laughs) But either way, which one came out in 2001? I might have to go with Saving Private Ryan. I feel a little bit more confident that that's definitely a World War II movie. And it was a huge hit, and I think it might have come out in 2001. Probably wasn't Uwe Boll's Blood Rain. Did they even make a movie on that? That was the the guy that makes all the bad video game movies. Is that Rain, R-E-I-G-N, or R-A-I-N? R-A-Y-N-E. Oh, jeez. It's a, the heroine's The challenger has appeared. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll go with, I'll go saving private Ryan. Sorry, that's incorrect. <laughs> the thin red line was a world war two movie about Guadalcanal. Mm. Uh, it is a fictionalized version of the battle of Mount Austin, which is part of the Guadalcanal campaign. Uh, uh, they said of the song, um, the theme song or the theme came from watching a sniper's duel in enemy at the gates. And that it, quote, felt like a very good metaphor for the kind of romantic situations that we sometimes find ourselves in. Wow. Yeah. So they watched that movie and they were like, this reminds me of dating. Two snipers (laughs) trying to outsnipe each other. Take me out. Wow. I'm going to have to look at the lyrics of that now. Trying to piece that together. That's what we do. Mm -hmm. All right. Well. That is three that, from each of us. That's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> Here, trivia is what we do. So we're going to take a little break. Mm. And then we're going to come back with uh, just a couple no notes and uh, maybe miscorrection before we get into our second round of trivia. All 
right, we're back, and it's time for some no notes and miscorrections. Miscorrections and no notes. These are coming to us from our Discord server. There is a link in the show notes to that. If you want to uh, join us, join the chat on some of our episodes. Warring Hearts wrote the Kinshasa question has a great wrestling adjacent uh, fact, I'm assuming. And if you are familiar with finishers and finisher name origins, WWE wrestler Shinsuke Nakamura's, or should I say Shinsuke Nakamura? Maybe I shouldn't say that. Okay. His <laughs> finisher is called the Kinshasa in New Japan Pro Wrestling. It was called the Boma Ye, which means kill him in Congolese, mm. which is, uh, you know, the capital of Con- the Congo is Kinshasa. Indeed. Bomiye being what the crowd shouted at Muhammad Ali at the Rumble in the Jungle, which took place in the Congo. So, there you go. bit of a connection there. Yeah, and ACW also saying, correcting me, uh, that Kinshasa is actually now the largest francophone country in the world. It is no longer Congratulations to them. second uh, Kinshasa having a, uh, a uh, population of 12,691,000 with Paris only having 12,161,000. Mm-hmm. So about 500,000 short of being the francophonist francophoniest country in the world um abidjan abidjan ivory coast coming in three montreal in four okay so an update there on our french-speaking countries five in case you're wondering if you were clamoring god i gotta know who's who rounds out the top five it's port-au-prince haiti all right there you go we want to thank Warring Hearts and ACW for those notes. If you'd like to write us with a missed correction, a rate my question, or even just a little no note, you can do so at nononsensetrivia at gmail.com or call us at 1 929 356 6966 or find us on social media. And if you have yet to do so, please take a moment to review our show on Apple, Spotify, Podchaser, Good Pods, Player FM or wherever else you might listen to our podcast that has a review feature, Castro. we would really appreciate it. But you can't review on Castro because that's the kind of asshole he is. Maybe one day. <clears throat> Maybe one day. You ready? Yeah. All right. Found in most garages, ethylene glycol is better known as a basic what? Found in most garages, ethylene glycol is better known as a basic what? Hmm. Could be like a paint thinner, ethylene glycol. It sounds like uh, some kind of alcohol. So maybe used to, you know, remove paint or maybe it's like a gooby gone type situation. I don't want my gooby to be gone. No, your goo. You can keep your gooby. Okay. But maybe you don't want your goo. You know? Mm-hmm. Could get messy. You want that goo to be gone. Hashtag not that. Um, maybe it's a lubricant. Maybe this is a, a water displacement 40. You know what's funny? Hmm. 
I asked, what does WD stand for in WD-40 this past week? You did? I oh, did. I would have gotten that one. <laughs> and I I'm skipped it because I, I knew you would have known it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say a lubricant. I'm sorry, that's incredible. I was going to ask you to be more specific because <clears throat> there's many lubricants like oils and you know. Oh, okay. Um, but you're just so just far off. Anyway. I, decided, yeah. <laughs> I decided to not put you through the torture. Right. The correct answer is antifreeze. Ethylene glycol. Antifreeze, yes. All right. Okay. Against freeze. Good to know. Indeed. That man should get some of that. Have you ever tasted antifreeze? No. <laughs> Have you? Uh, yeah. Well, like jump in your mouth or something or i had a number of cars back in the day with overheating issues that i've had to wrangle with and have spent more than a few times underneath the car trying oh, to replace down. radiator hoses and it will get into your mouth i mean it's How, weird what does it taste like it's a little sweet the thing is is there's a lot of danger with antifreeze because animals because it smells kind of sweet good and sweet mm-hmm. so there's a lot of danger with animals drinking it or, you know, lapping it up. This tastes good. Wow. And it looks pretty, you yeah. know. It's got that. It's glistening blue. Cool green. Or green. Yeah. I was going to say it's not blue at all. But Oops. What am I thinking of? <laughs> You've not blue. been under cars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I have a fantasy football question to kick off Ooh. my round here. Okay. The first private and public fantasy football drafts both occurred during the 1960s in which California city arranged by individuals with financial interests in that city's NFL team. The first private and public fantasy football drafts both occurred during the 1960s in which California city and were arranged by individuals with financial interest in that city's NFL team. Um, in that city's NFL team. So, well, we can immediately whittle it down. To around four cities, three cities. You like that? You San like that Francisco? component of the question? I do. Okay. I do like that very much. San Francisco. San Diego. Los Angeles. Oakland. Uh, 1960s, I think that the Rams were still in L.A. Los Angeles, rich people. San Francisco, not exactly poor either. San Diego is nice because it's a little bit of a dark horse. God, did you know the median uh, median price of a house in California? Is like eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I did not know that. That is expensive. Yeah. Now that's like there are houses that are like multi million dollar houses, mm-hmm. and then there are houses that are in like, you know, bad parts of the country or bad parts of the state. But even those houses, I think, mm-hmm. are probably more than houses here. You can probably get like a one bed one bath house in some terrible part of California. And it would be like $350,000 just for the land it sits on. I went to visit some friends in Monterey, California once. And uh, my buddy Joe, who I was visiting said 
This is the place where millionaires come to live like the postman. Yeah. And that was that was pretty accurate because I think a lot of the houses that I saw were about half the size of the one that we're in right now and at least five or six times as expensive. That sounds right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh it's crazy. Don't get it. Um You know, it's so hard not to say LA because it's like everyone's so rich there. Not everyone, you know what I mean? But like a lot of people are rich there, <laughs> I should say. Um, it kind of reminds me of like the Miami Dolphins where it has like a bunch of part owners like fucking Pitbull or whatever. Um San Francisco. Pitbull owns part of the Miami Dolphins? I think he did, if oh, he doesn't okay. know. Seth can miscorrect us that. Mis miscorrect us. Um San Diego. San Diego is such a it's such a juicy answer. I'm trying to like not stick with it because I know there's such like a kind of forgotten about team. I'm trying to think of the angle. I mean, this is such a great question, man. It's thank you. It's so great because there's so it's so easy to get in your own way. It's like what it's interesting to think of like the angle you're taking on it, like why it's interesting. Because it's interesting just period. But there's interesting like what team, what country, what state, uh, what cities in California have teams? Also, what cities had teams at that time? And is that all the interest you're getting out of it? Or is it also that surprise? It's fucking San Diego, you know? So I don't know how deep your surprise is going, but I'm going to go with the obvious here. I'm going to go with Los Angeles. I'm sorry, Mark. The answer is Oakland. It is Oakland. It is Oakland. Yes. The, that uh, was a super dark horse. (laughs) Some of the, uh, owners and, uh, higher up executives at the Raiders. Um, I think they were traveling to New York or they were visiting New York. And that's when, uh, one of the guys first had the idea. So they did a little draft in, in New York or no, they, they drafted when they returned like the week later. And then a short time after that, they did a public version of a fantasy football draft. So that is where the whole trend took off. Oakland, California. Oh, good question. Thank you. Pig's blood. Mm -hmm. That's it. Pig's blood. Carrie. Fat. Pearl barley. Wheat. And oatmeal. Are ingredients of what type of of blood sausage originating in Great Britain and Ireland. This is considered a superfood. Pig's blood, fat, pearl barley, wheat, and oatmeal are ingredients of what type of blood sausage originating in Great Britain and Ireland? Blood sausage. I don't know any blood sausages. Pig's blood, fat, oatmeal, pearl barley. And what was the other one? 
oatmeal, pearl barley, wheat, wheat, pig's blood. This is a very bready sausage. It's grainy. I feel like when I've heard of something like this, it's referred to as blood sausage. It's not going to be like bratwurst. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a worst because this is, you said it was British, right? It's not German. It's British. British and Irish. There is a name of a food item coming to my head, but I don't know that it's a sausage because in its name, it has a different type of food. And that name that I'm thinking of is black pudding. And I don't think it's hot dog or wiener. Which I don't know contain any grains, either of those. I'm going to go with black pudding. That's goddamn right. Whoa! What a great pull. Yeah. Lee. From the ether. Brettschneider. (laughs) Fantastic. Yes. Take my bow here. Take a bow. The word pudding pudding is believed to derive from the French boudin, originally from the Latin botellus, meaning small sausage. Hmm. Okay. So there you go. All right. If you've ever wondered why they call it pudding. Well, I won't be calling the uh, Jell-O brand pudding anymore because that is not what that is. Yeah. I guess it's taken on its own meaning these days. Indeed. Animals. Aminals. Aminals. My next category for you. Pan troglodytes. Pan troglodytes is the scientific name for what social and endangered animal that can be found in the forest of Africa's Congo Basin. Pan troglodytes is the scientific name for what social and endangered animal that can be found in the forest of Africa's Congo Basin. Presumably French speaking. It must be. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when someone comes by to hunt them, they go, Sacre blue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pan troglodytes. A social and endangered animal that can be found in Africa's Congo <clears throat> Basin. Troglodytes. Mm-hmm. Social. Congo Basin. P-A-N? That's right. And troglodytes, just how you think. T-R-O-G-L-O-D-Y-T-E-S. Um, man, I don't even know what to guess. Uh, ex- you said not extinct, endangered. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll guess three toed sloths. No. no idea. I believe those are from Costa Rica. I don't know if they have sloths in Africa or not. They might. Mm-hmm. Um, Take a while to get there. Chimpanzee is the answer. Chimpanzee. Pan troglodytes. Also, the uh, bonobo, the closely related bo- bonobo, are classified in the genus Pan. The clothing brand bonobos? Right. Pants. <laughs> Hashtag not Pants man. troglodytes is what they should change their name to. <laughs> Do we have another one? We got one more. Opal fruits. 
was the original name <laughs> of what candy? Opal Fruits was the original name of what candy? Opal is a type of stone. Like a gem. And the holograms. Gem Fruits. Well, it's got to be a fruit-flavored candy, I would presume. Maybe Skittles. I keep thinking oval fruits, which is like Mykonikes, because they're oval-shaped. But it's not. It's not. It's got nothing to do with the shape. It's got to do with the fact that it's like a gem. An opal fruit. And the holograms. Gushers? Did you say candy? I did. Gushers are a fruit snack. That's not a candy. Maybe it's Starburst. Starburst is not a name that I would think to describe those sweet, tasty candy treats. But I could see them being called Opal Fruits and people being, or the, um, you know, executives saying Opal Fruits. Nobody's buying these. They're called Opal Fruits. We need a cooler name like Starburst. And then they change the name. I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go with Starburst. You're lucking out like a motherfucker. <laughs> Boy. Great job. Wow. I'm on a roll here. Absolutely. All right. My last question for this round for you. Famous songs. Mm. Go back to pop music. What song was reportedly Jim Steinman's tryout as a lyricist for Andrew Lloyd Webber was made into a 1996 double platinum hint Hit. Built-in hit. It was a double platinum hit by Celine Dion in 1996 and was covered a decade later as a duet featuring Meatloaf and Marion Raven on Bat Out of Hell 3. What song was reportedly Jim Steinman's tryout as a lyricist for Andrew Lloyd Webber was made into a 1996 double platinum hit by Celine Dion and was covered a decade later as a duet Featuring Meatloaf and Marion Raven on Bad Out of Hell 3. It's all coming back to me. Damn it. I'm sorry, Mark. The name I of the song is It's All Coming Back to Me Now. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> that is the full title of the song. I will give it to you. Okay, I'm going to give that to you just, just for here. But if another team, if you're playing live and another team wrote out the full title, I might be feeling a little, you know wiry yeah okay <laughs> let me give you some extra information about Please. this though. you i mean you you got that right like, did you know that already or was that just I, it was not a guess? fact i knew it was the only old celine dion song i knew and wow, i could and i okay. could see meat loaf big rip mm -hmm. um covering that and so i i just kind of went with my gut i didn't want to give myself time to talk myself out of it etc etc so i just i just <laughs> just went with it here's some uh, background information i found um, an earlier version was recorded by Steinman for a 1989 concept album called Original Sin by the group Pandora's Box. I don't oh. know if you've ever heard that one. It's very 80s sounding. It's got kind of a uh, um, uh, Total Eclipse of the Heart vibe to it. It's just got that sound, that production sound, you know. Um, and that version, which like the Celine Dion version, features Roy Bitten, Baton, Roy Baton on piano, and Todd Rundgren arranging the background vocals mm. for that earlier hit. 
Rundgren actually sings backup on the Celine Dion version. So he didn't just arrange it. Really? But later on, he would actually sing in the group. Uh, Meatloaf would go on to claim his as the definitive version, saying that it brought tears to his eyes and felt the emotional lyrics described his own relationship with Steinman. But of the song, Steinman claimed it was inspired by the classic Emily Bronte novel Wuthering Heights, which we've talked about on the podcast before, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. saying the novel, quote, is always made too much polite. It always has it always has been in movies. This isn't the Wuthering Heights of Kate Bush, that little fanciful Wuthering Heights. The scene they always cut out is the scene when Heathcliff digs up Catherine's body and dances in the moonlight and on the beach with it. I think you can't get much more operatic or passionate than that. I was trying to write a song about dead things coming to life. I was trying to write a song about being enslaved and obsessed by love, not just enchanted and happy with it. It was about the dark side of love, about the ability to be resurrected by it. I just tried to put everything I could into it, and I'm real proud of it. So uh, I did look into this a little bit. I've never read Wuthering Heights, but it is a bit of a misconception that Heathcliff digs up Catherine's body and dances. I asked Kyle about it because she's read it. She said that she remembers it maybe being part of a dream sequence that that happens in. But uh, he does end up digging the corpse up in the novel, but it's more to uh, scheme out a way that he can have himself buried next to her and have both sides of their coffin removed so that they could mingle together in the earth after they both die. Um, Interesting. But did Steinman and Weber ever work together? That's what prompted my curiosity when I found out that this was a bit of a lyrical tryout. According to Steinman in an interview, this is from Wikipedia, Andrew Lloyd Weber approached him to write the lyrics for the Phantom of the Opera because Lloyd Weber felt that his, quote, dark obsessive side fit in with the project. However, Steinman declined in order to fulfill, fulfill his commitments to a Bonnie Tyler album. Steinman provided lyrics for Andrew Lloyd Webber's musical Whistle Down the Wind, which opened in Washington, D.C. in December of 1996. However, it received poor reviews on the Broadway run scheduled for the following April was canceled. So huh. it never took off the ground. I did see that Milof recorded a song from that as well. So, Jesus. you know, they had a uh, hot and cold relationship, to say the least. Clearly. Mm-hmm. All right. Is that it? That's three. Jesus. So we're going to go ahead and move into our third round here with our final questions. All right, we're back. Round three. Mark? Yes. A U.S. history question for you. Oh, Jesus. Go out with a whimper. Which prominent figure in U.S. history led the Combahee Ferry Raid in 1863, becoming the first woman to lead a major military operation in the U.S. during the Civil War? Which prominent figure in U.S. history led the Combahee Ferry Raid in 1863, becoming the first woman to to lead a major military operation in the U.S. during the Civil War. Ugh. 1863? Mm-hmm. The Combahee Ferry Raid. The first woman to lead a major military operation in the U.S. during the Civil War. Um, I'm going to guess... 
fairy raid. Um, Civil War. Jesus Christ, why do you do this to me? Because I love you. I'm always afraid of sounding so stupid. Mark, we're 198 episodes in. You haven't gotten over this yet? Sometimes. <laughs> I, I go into each episode going, <laughs> I'm going to sound stupid. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's harder than others. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> there are certain kinds of stupid I don't want to sound. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I just don't like sounding ignorant, I guess. Stupid is fine. Ignorant is what bugs me. But we're here to learn as well I'm, as the show. If I'm ignorant, knowledge. I guess that's that's... You know, my own cross to bear. I feel like people have like a knee jerk reaction to that word because it people think you mean stupid or dumb by it. But the definition of ignorant just means that you don't know, you know, you're you're ignorant to the facts or the truth about something. Yeah, there's different. I guess there's different kinds of ignorance, though. Willful ignorance is, I think, the kind that most people think of when they think of ignorant, which is like, I could know, but I'm hiding from, which is not necessarily the case a lot of times, but I think it's kind of like the baggage that comes with the word ignorant. Mm-hmm. Um, It's become such a pejorative that people just take it as an insult rather than looking at its literal definition, you know. So if you say, well, you're just ignorant to that. You might not mean it maliciously. You might just be saying you just don't know yet, but there's no way that the person on the other end of that is going to take that warbly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It is definitely widely used as a pejorative. Um, can I hear the question one more time? Absolutely. Which prominent figure in U.S. history led the Combahee Ferry Raid in 1863, becoming the first woman to lead a major military operation in the U.S. during the Civil War. There's someone's name who I'm trying to think of. I'm trying to think of the name of the woman who headed the Underground Railroad. And I am embarrassed that I can't think of her name. <clears throat> I'm just like thinking of like women that I know in history and I don't know who they are. It's so embarrassing. You can suss out loud. I don't want <laughs> I don't want to show how Let us I in. Am. Let us in. I don't want to let you in. <laughs> let me in. <laughs> Um, I'm going to, I'm just going to say a name. I'm just going to say a fucking name here. Now I want to start by saying, I know this is not the woman from the underground railroad. (laughs) So move your finger, but this is a name that I know. I really, really, really. Okay. All right. I'm just going to say it. The other person I'm thinking of, I'm not, this is not my answer, but the other person I'm thinking of is Sojourner Truth. I know that is a woman. God, I hope that's a fucking woman. I know that's not the woman who headed the Underground Railroad, but it's a name that I'm thinking, and I'm thinking of going with that because it's a woman that I know her name in history, and I don't know what she did. 
I don't know what she did last summer. But there's the woman, I mean, the woman who headed the Underground Railroad, I could see them, I could see that woman doing some shit like this because she's a fucking boss. And I could sit here all night trying to think of the woman from from the other Underground Railroad. <sighs> Maybe Fuck. it was the girl from Ipanema. And- the girl from some pretty good raid music. Yeah, yeah. How's that? Slow motion. Bossa Nova. While people are getting killed, Bossa Nova hasn't even been invented yet. That's what would make it so terrifying. Indeed. I'm going to say Sojourner Truth. No. <laughs> no. It's is not. it the woman? It from- is Arminta Ross. Who is more popularly known as Harriet Tubman. God damn it! You were right in that God regard. God damn it! Harriet fucking Tubman! Harriet God Tubman. damn it! Yes, after the war broke out, oh! she, she moved to South Carolina oh! to help refugee slaves who had escaped to safety behind Union lines. Uh, this, next part's from, this next part is from History.com. Quote, working in a series of camps in Union-held portions of South Carolina, Tubman quickly learned the lay of the land and offered her services to the army as a spy, leading a group of scouts who mapped out much of the region. Tubman's reconnaissance work laid the foundation for one of the more daring raids of the Civil War when she personally accompanied Union soldiers in their nighttime raid at Combahee Ferry in June 1863. After guiding Union boats along the mine-filled waters and coming ashore, Tubman and her group successfully rescued more than 700 enslaved people working on nearby plantations while dodging bullets and artillery shells from slave owners and Confederate soldiers rushing to the scene. The success of the raid, which had also included the brave service of African-American soldiers, increased Tubman's fame, and she went on to work on similar missions with the famed Massachusetts 54th Infantry before spending the final years of the war tending to injured soldiers. 100 years after Tubman's successes in South Carolina, a recently formed black feminist group took the name Combahee River Collective in her honor, also paying honor to Tubman's work later in her life as a powerful advocate for women's suffrage. But during her life, uh, history or the government was not too kind uh, because despite this and her other service, she was denied a pension from the U.S. government, later receiving veteran benefits only due to her marriage to her second husband, Nelson Davis. Everything you said hurt. The whole, that whole time you were talking, I just felt constant pain. I'm sorry. I will say, Sojourner Truth, her best-known speech was delivered extemporaneously in 1851 at the Ohio Women's Rights Convention in Akron, Ohio. The speech became widely known during the Civil War by the title, Ain't I a Woman? Okay, well. So, she was alive during the same time. Mm-hmm. She was You at least were a black pulling woman. from the same uh, part of history. So, I don't feel like a complete fucking moron, but I still feel like a complete moron. You danced right over I it. I probably could have, if I sat here longer, I probably could have eventually pulled it. Mm-hmm. But it's a late night. Late night. We ain't got all night. Here's my last question for you. Prior to 2013... What restaurant chain was the largest purchaser of kale in the United States? 
Hmm. What happened in 2013? Somebody else came along. Could be a salad bar. Like sweet tomatoes. I think maybe now defunct. I'm not sure if there are sweet tomatoes anymore. The one that we had here in town went out of business. I think they're all gone. R.A.P. What other salad bars are there? You usually have kale on salad bar, though. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's Olive Garden. I think they've had a spinach or a uh, a kale and potato soup. I feel like they've got a soup with kale in it, but that's just one menu item. We got a soup with kale. <laughs> we got a soup with kale. It's uh, Randy. Uh, What's his name? Randy. Randy Newman. Randy Newman. I can't stand Randy <laughs> Newman. Um, let's see here. Panera. They've got a lot of salads. Kale. Who's eating kale before 2013? Nobody knows about kale yet. I mean, I'm sure some people did. The vegans and such. Maybe some vegetarians. McDonald's, Taco Bell, these are all like fast food menu, uh, uh, fast food restaurants. Um, hmm. Sonny's got kale on their salad bar. I love a good salad bar, but that Osho question a couple episodes back. Made me reconsider things. Really put a dent in you, huh? Well, you never know when somebody's going to go and sprinkle salmonella on the salad bar. Just a, you know, shift in election result. I shouldn't give uh, Trump any ideas for the future. Seriously. Um, I'm going to go with Olive Garden because they have a kale soup even though it's probably not them and that would be a weird choice anyways but I'm going for it Olive Garden so it's incorrect <laughs> the correct answer is Pizza Hut really the kale was not used to serve it was simply used to outline their buffet they were the largest oh. purchaser of kale. So it was just like the shitty leaves that surrounded it that made That's it correct. look green. Okay. The largest purchaser of kale was Pizza Hut. And the soup I'm thinking of from Olive Garden is the Zuppa Toscana oh. soup. Zuppa Toscana. Chicken broth, water, potatoes, salt, pepper. That means Tuscany soup. Stir in the kale and heavy cream. Maybe. <laughs> I hope. All right. Lee. Mark, as we get ever closer to 200 inching forward, inching ever forward. Mm -hmm. I love you more and more every day. Same. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> Likewise. <clears throat> Great. That warmed the cockles of my heart. <laughs> you got cockles. I do. Even and in the subcockle region. 
and an atrium. That's a it's a reference to uh, I don't know if you if you were a Dennis Leary fan back in the day. He had an album uh, called No Cure for Cancer mm-hmm. that I remember listening to a lot. That had that hit did. song "Asshole" on it. It, it was did the closing track. It did. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. That's the one. All I right. think that cockle thing comes from that song, maybe. Well, I love you too, buddy. Thank I'll give you, you a proper one before okay, we go thank, out here. Thank Christ. You're leaving me hanging, no, looking no, like a no. fucking turd. And uh, we love you, listeners. Yes. We want to thank you for listening. And please join us every Monday morning for a new episode by subscribing to No Nonsense Trivia Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. You can support the No No in, in several ways. The easiest by sharing this episode on your social media accounts with your friends. You could also leave us a written review on your favorite podcast platform. And you could support the podcast on Patreon by visiting our website, thenono.com, clicking the support link at the top, which will take you to our Patreon page. Thank you ever so much to our Patreon people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Patreon patrons, including big thanks to our quiz daddies, Brandon Long, Adam Volk at Esme and Red Crest Fried Chicken, Tim with Pat's Garden Service, Tommy and Gil. It's, it's Gil. Our team captains, Matt, Mo, Rick G, Skyler, Kristen, Fletcher, Jenny, Lydia, OG Aaron, and David, 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 Holbrook, Holbrook, Holbrook. Thanks to our proverbial light keepers, Trent, Grant, Rob, Captain Nick Williams, Kate, Rachel, Moo, Tim Gomez, a.k.a. Mappy1984, Lucas, Carly, Sarah, Cooper, Hank, Luke, Manu, Matthew, Spencer, Lisa, Ryan, Adam, John Lewis, Nabil, Ricky F., Justin P., Justin Patterns, and Justin M., Justin... Major military operation by Harriet Tubman. <laughs> okay. And thanks to our Rumble Steelskins, Binsky, Nathan, Issa, Sai, Kara, Megan, Christopher, Brandon, Ed, Dylan, Sarah, Fox and Five, Laurel, Aaron, H Bomb, Lauren, MJ, Steven, Kenya, Dallas at all of my favorite things from the screen. Allison, Paige, Kevin, Sarah, Douglas, Alex, Mike C. Mike Champion Z. Mike J. Mike Jones and for some Zappa Toscana soup. <laughs> and Mike K. Mike Kale. <laughs> if you'd like to write us with a rate my question or miscorrection, you can do so at nononsensetrivia at gmail.com or call us at 1-929-356-6966. And please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at No Nonsense Trivia and on Twitter at No Non Trivia. They can write us with a rate my question, or they can rate us with a write my question. Is that correct? Either is acceptable. And we have a Facebook group you can join. Just go on Facebook and search for the No Nonsense Trivia Podcast to join us there. Finally, don't forget to leave us a rating on your favorite podcast service. Five stars only, please. Until next time, No Nonsense listeners. Have a great week.